Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. I'm calling a prophetic decision-making time. And I'm not going to share the whole thing today, uh, but I I saw in in a vision the way God has capital P purpose, you know what I mean? And he has lowercase p purpose. His capital purpose is always fulfilled. Always, no matter what. If his purpose is to see God move in Ashley County and to make it a hub for the world to have the vision come out of, that's going to be accomplished. Now, my lowercase p purpose exists inside of wherever God plants me. My purpose may not be fulfilled. And the danger is my purpose only has this much to do with me. It has this much to do with God's actual big plan. His capital purpose, capital P purpose. So when I say, just for instance, I am not feeling prayer today. I'm feeling sitting on my couch and watching Netflix all day long then I remove myself from God's purpose for me in that moment, for his purpose to be fulfilled in me in that moment. God says, come pray. I say, I'm not feeling it today. God says, get down on your face and worship. And you say, I'm tired. You don't know what I dealt with this week. I'm removing myself from God's purpose being fulfilled in my life. But in doing that, all of the the cascading effect that flowed into God's capital P purpose for Freedom Ministries, we're a part of a larger purpose for the area, for the world that we're supposed to reach. I pull back the capital P purpose. Now, God's purpose is always going to be established, but we have to, when we look at the Bible and understand how God's purpose for Israel was established, because his purpose was that they were a shining light and a revelation to the world of who God is. When David slayed Goliath, it wasn't look at how awesome I am. It wasn't even look at how great Israel is. It was so that the Philistines would know that there is a God in Israel. There was a purpose associated with that. And if we look at how God dealt with Israel and his purpose for them in the Bible, it's not outside of the realm of possibility for God to abandon us for a hundred years. That's not outside the realm of possibility to send us into bondage and captivity and give us over to our sins for the rest of our lives where we die in it. Because God has a capital P purpose that must that will be accomplished. And if enough of us 
decide, I don't want it, then God has to move the enough of us out of the way so that there's a little remnant that he can rebuild again. He did it in Israel over and over and over again. Destroyed his own temple. Three times. So that he could wipe it all out and rebuild. Apostle's word last week is in Exodus chapter 32. I'm not going to read the whole thing we read last week, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase so we can get caught up. God had spoken to Israel. They had said, that's a little too much, that's a little too intense for me. Moses, we'd rather you go talk to God. We don't really want to talk to him face to face. Too much to deal with. Moses went up the mountain. He was there in the presence of God, fasting and praying. God was just speaking to him day and night, night and day, for 40 days. I can't even imagine. It was glorious. And then in the middle of their conversation, God interrupts. And he says, Moses... Scratch those other things I've been telling you. I'm actually just going to go ahead and kill everybody that's down on the bottom of that mountain. I'm going to kill them all. I'll start over with you and your wife and your kids, and we'll be fine. Kill every one of them. They're sinning. You left them for a few days, and they went crazy. And they're sinning. They've made idols already. They've made idols already, and he wanted to wipe them all out. Moses interceded for them. And God said, well, then you better get down there and handle it. You better get down there and deal with it. Right? Yes. Um, let me read, before I get into that, I want to read a scripture in, in Luke. Um, this was, uh, I heard, honestly, one of the... Um, the best sermons I've ever heard in my entire life here. Um, it was two hours long. Um, so whenever you have a lot of free time, you can watch it on Facebook. I think it's still there. I'm not going to preach the whole thing, but I'm going to glean from it what I believe God was speaking to us. Um, and uh, as I was sharing all the things that God showed me, Apostle said, the anointing's on that right now. We're going, we're going to run with that. I said, yes, I agree. Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it says, After all these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose, and followed him. Now, nothing in the Bible happens by accident. He didn't name him Levi by accident. He named, he named his name with a very particular purpose, because we actually know this man by a different name. We know this man by the name of Matthew. And so when he called him Levi, it was with a very intentional purpose behind the name. He did it for a reason. And so we have to look and do, um, the preacher said, we have to do a little bit of homework and understand what Levi means. Levi was a tribe of Israel. It's one of the sons of Jacob. Um, Levi, God had called to be the conscience of the nation of Israel. He had called them to be the voice of revelation from God to the nation of Israel. He had called them to be holy, sanctified, consecrated, and set apart for Israel, and he dispersed them throughout the nation of Israel so that when, so that because the people there 
if they decided to leave God, there would be an example in their area of what it looked like to follow God wholly. So now we're back in Exodus chapter 32. And I'm going to start in verse 25. Moses has just come down the mountain. He's been interrupted with his time with God. And it says, Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and he said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. If you are on God's side, come to me. And only one group of Israel responded to the call of God. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put a sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp. And let every man kill his brother. Every man kill his companion. Every man kill his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of the Lord. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brother. Moses issued a call on behalf of God. If you are on the Lord's side, he walked down into the camp and we have to understand what he saw. They had created a shrine to a false god, a golden calf. They had created that. They had all decided to worship it. But not only that, they were all indulging themselves in sexual sin, in drunkenness, in idolatry. They had left anything that resembled holiness and become very comfortable with sin. So comfortable with sin in those 40 days that when Moses said if you are on the side of Yahweh God the God that brought you out of Egypt then come to me and only one group of the entire nation of Israel had a something that rumbled and stirred in their heart and said I know the real God of Israel I'm running to the real God, the God who planted me, the God who called me, the God who put us in this vision, the God who put us underneath this man, the God who called me out of bondage and into freedom. I know that God, and I'm running after him. Everyone else had decided that they would rather be like the nation that God had already called them out of. And so in Levi, they embraced the call to be separate, to be holy, to be distinct from the world, to be different than the other people that were around them. And everybody else said, no, thank you. No, thank you. And in that moment, Levi modeled what it meant to be sold out for God. And here's the thing. God called the nation of Israel. He called to everyone. God chose as his holy and anointed people the, the ones who said 
yes. He chose the ones who answered the call, yes. I was talking with Michelle a few weeks ago, and I don't remember what we were talking about, but I was talking about something, and I said, well, they said, you know, they're just going to seek God, see what, see what God's will in this is. And she said, don't people understand that God's will is for you to say yes when there is a need in the body of Christ. God's will is for you to say yes. And so when I say yes, then it becomes the will of God for me. Because I said yes. Here's an example. How many of us, don't raise, oh dear God, don't raise your hand, but how many of us got married We know we weren't just wholly sanctified in prayer, fasting, and seeking God over our spouse. And we got married because somebody, because we wanted to. Now, was that person the perfect will of God for your life? There's a good chance they were not. But who became the perfect will of God for your life when you said, I do? That person. Now... There's no other excuse. Now they are the perfect will of God for your life because you entered into a covenant in the sight of God. And so it becomes the will of God because you said, yes. I said, yes. Now it's the will of God for me to be married to this person, to love and cherish them for the rest of my life. To be loyal and faithful to them no matter sickness and in health. When I'm mad and they don't take out the trash and they don't clean the house and they don't do the things I want them to do, I'm still called because I said yes. I'm still chosen. I'm still married because I said yes. Let's look at Exodus chapter 19 verse 6. It says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God was speaking to Israel. Now, we all know that the Levites became the priests in the temple of God. But what was God's call, his original perfect plan? Was that he called a kingdom, an entire nation of priests. A holy nation, the entire nation to be consecrated and set apart for God. But who did he end up choosing to be holy and set apart and consecrated for God? Who did he end up choosing to be his priest that got to come close to him? We see later in, the, in, in Exodus, he tells, um, he tells the, the Levites, the sons of Levi, he says, Consecrate yourselves and then draw close to me. Because I chose you out of the nation of Israel. But it wasn't his original call. His call was, I want the whole nation of Israel to be my special possession. I want all of them to be my treasure. I want all of Israel to be my firstborn. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. But only one group said yes. So who did God choose to be his priest? It's just the ones that said yes. God never sat up there and said, Levi. I like the name Levi. It means called out and separated. And so I'm going to make them my priests. That was not the way. That wasn't the thought process. The thought process was my whole nation is going to be a nation of priests. I'm going to call them all to me. 
but only Levi said yes. And so he chose Levi. In Exodus 4.22, we see that the entire nation of Israel was the firstborn of God. God says, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. We see a little bit later in Numbers, Numbers 3, 12, um, but it, it's, there's several times in Numbers where God changes his mind and he calls Levi my firstborn. Now we have to understand the law of the firstborn. Everything, God established the law, everything that was firstborn from your children to your animals, everything that was born first belonged to God. If it broke open the womb, is what the Bible says, then it belonged to God. So, when God calls Levi, when he calls Levi his firstborn, he says, these are the ones that belong to me. These are the ones, are, who, who cares, whatever. These are the ones that belong to me. But how did they get the distinction of being wholly set apart and separate and belonging to God, being the firstborn of God? It's because they said yes. They just said yes to the call. And here's the revelation that I got out of it. Reuben was called to be the firstborn. But Levi was consecrated the firstborn. Consecration trumps calling every single time. My God. Consecration trumps calling every single time. I don't care who was called to lead worship, to lead prayer, to teach Sunday school. I don't care who was called to do anything. But if somebody says yes and they consecrate themselves to it, they become the chosen one of God. If somebody rises up and says, I'm this and I'm that, and they tried and they quit, they're not the chosen one of God. The chosen one of God says, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to consecrate myself to it and say, yes, because there's a need. God needed somebody to stand for him in the face of the nation of Israel. And the Levi said, I know God. I'm not the firstborn. I'm not even the secondborn. Levi was the thirdborn. There was nothing special about him at all. There was nothing special about the tribe at all. But they said, yes. When he said, come to me if you belong to God, they said, yes. And God consecrated them right He consecrated them right there, the firstborn. And when we hear God talking about his firstborn son again, it was not Israel. It was not Reuben. It became Levi. 
In Deuteronomy 33, as Moses is dying, he calls the tribes to put a blessing on each one of them. Most of them he only says a sentence or so about. About Levi, he had a lot to say. And of Levi said, let your thummim and your urim be with your holy one, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. What is Moses saying here? He said, do you remember do you remember the day when I called you and you didn't give any consideration when God said, kill everyone that doesn't follow God in the nation of Israel until I stop you? They killed 3,000 of their family. They killed 3,000 of their sons and daughters. They killed 3,000 of their brothers. They killed 3,000 of their parents. They killed them all. And he said, I don't He says, your thummim and your urim, which is the connection with God to hear the voice of God. He says, it's going to be with me, with the Holy One of Israel. Because you said, I don't even see my father and mother. I don't acknowledge my brothers. I don't even know my own children. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. And he says about them that they're going to teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They're going to put incense before God. They're going to get to draw near to God. They're going to offer burnt sacrifices on the altar of God. Only Levi is actually going to be able to be consecrated to come into my presence because they said yes. And then he says this, bless their substance, Lord. Bless the substance of Levi and smite the loins of any that would rise against him. And of those that hate him, that they would never rise again. Moses didn't say anything like this over any other tribe. About Reuben, he barely even said a sentence. But about his firstborn, Jesus. The ones God chose just because they said, yes. Yes. I said, yes. And, the, and he says he honors them in it because of the pressure that they faced to say yes. When family pulls on you to leave and go over here, when friends pull on you to leave and go over here, when people that were your brothers and sisters in Christ pull on you to go one way or another and leave where you know God planted you. He says, but we say yes anyway. He says that you're blessed. Your connection with God will never fail because you didn't consider your brother. You didn't consider your father and mother. You didn't consider your own children. You were faithful. You were faithful to me. I may have called Reuben firstborn. I may have called Israel firstborn. But I've consecrated you firstborn. Because the consecration of the choice of God goes to those who just say yes.
God. We give you praise, God. And so that's how our little P purpose flows up into big P purpose. God made a call. He had in his mind, in the mind of God, the way it should all work could be perfect. And he called for it. Levi was not it. He just wasn't. But Levi said, yes. And he became it. He got all the blessing that was meant for the whole nation of Israel. Here's the other thing, because he said, Levi, I've called you to be what Israel should have been, a voice of revelation and light, the example of the holiness of God. He got all of the revelation and light that was meant for the whole nation of Israel right there in the tribe of Levi, because it was meant for everybody. But Levi said yes, so they said, I'm going to take all that was meant for Reuben and Gad and Benjamin and Manasseh and all Judah, all the other ones. Hallelujah. So we find ourselves back in Luke chapter 5. Where Luke has specifically called this man, this tax collector, by the name of Levi. And he did it because he knew that the people who are reading this letter would get the, the meaning behind calling him Levi. It was all of this that Levi was called to be. And the problem was, Levi was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were um, dishonest many times, but that wasn't the real problem here. The real problem is that tax collectors worked for Rome. And God had said that he is the only king of Israel. When he established the lineage of David, he said uh, someone from the lineage of David is always going to be on the throne in Israel. And so when he called to Levi, the tax collector, it was meant to be a jarring slap in the face of here's Levi who has compromised with the world who is compromised with another spirit that wants to reign over Israel. We know in Luke chapter 1, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus to take a census of all the land. Everyone has to return back to their ancestral heritage home so that he could count every one of them. Why was this such a problem? It's because when he counted them, he says, they're mine. But God had already said... This is my firstborn. Israel belongs to me. And so when someone else stood up and said, Israel belongs to me, I'm going to count them because they are my possession now. And somebody named Levi, who's supposed to be holy and consecrated and set apart for God, has joined up in league with a spirit of the world. It's a big problem. It's why people criticize Jesus. Why are you going and hanging out with Tax collectors. Why are you going and hanging out with the ones who have compromised with, so with the man who comes and says that he is God over Israel instead of the Lord our God? Amen. 
Levi, the man who was supposed to be the embodiment of what it meant to be holy, sanctified, and set apart, had become the embodiment of rebellion and service to the world, to Israel. And so it's meant, he didn't call him Matthew for this reason, because it's meant to look at yourself and say, God, am I someone that God called to be Levi, but right now I'm living like a tax collector? Am I someone that God has called to be holy, consecrated, set apart, to be chosen by God, but right now I'm living in compromise with the world? I'm living in compromise with the God of self because I would rather do things that make my flesh feel comfortable. I'm not even talking about sin, although obviously it's about sin. I'm talking about doing things that make my flesh feel comfortable. When the call comes forth, we need to fast and pray. And I sit at home because I have other things to do. When the call comes forth, we need nursery workers. Just bringing it into the real world. And we say... I know the children that come to the nursery. And I just really feel the Holy Ghost wants me to be at the altar today. When the call comes forth, we need van drivers. We need children's church workers. We need vacation Bible school workers. Y'all know we got people who were still struggling with drugs to help in our vacation Bible school last year because our church didn't show up. So who became the chosen of God at Vacation Bible School? That's why Jesus ignored the Pharisees and he went to the ones who would say, yes, they happen to be tax collectors and prostitutes. Hallelujah. But they said, yes. And so when God said, when Jesus came, he said, my Levites aren't even serving me anymore. They've, they're living in compromise with Rome. They're living in compromise with sin. They're living in compromise with self and power and greed and everything else that they're after. And so I'm sending my son, and he's going to get all of the drunks and the prostitutes and the drug addicts. And he'll raise up a kingdom with them. Because they said, yes. Thank you, Jesus. That I was one of them, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So when we live in fear, I'm Levi, the tax collector, called, but I compromised. God spoke to me, put something in my belly. Get up and start leading a prayer. Get up and start Start a Bible study at work. Get up and get to prayer every time the doors are open. Volunteer to lead a prayer. Say, I want to get up and lead a worship song. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. He said, lose control and just go all out. I don't know if I can do that. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. 
Go tell that person, I want to save that person right there. Go tell them about Jesus. I'm intimidated. I'm called. I'm called. I am called. But in that moment, the compromise blocks me from being chosen because I said no. I know we have excuses. I'm crippled by fear. I can't overcome. But at that moment, what matters is, am I the one that says, yes, am I God's chosen vessel, set apart and sanctified for holiness? You know, we have this concept of holiness that it's, it's really just all it is is separation from worldly things. And that's why we fail at holiness so much. They, someone said there, it was just kind of one of those light bulb moments, that if you pursue purity for the sake of saying I'm pure, you will never obtain purity. Ever. We have to understand what I'm called to. That not giving in to the holiness and consecration and, and separateness that God has called me to blocks me from having. I'm called to be Levi. I'm called to be the chosen one of God. I'm called to be a light and cross at Arkansas. I'm called, Freedom Ministries is called to bring freedom to this area. Freedom Ministries is called to bring revelation to this area. Freedom Ministries is called to be a light. That when someone says, I go to other churches and they don't know how to deal with the things that I'm dealing with, where do I go? Who do I call? But if my little P purpose doesn't flow up into the big P purpose of Freedom Ministries, then the big P purpose of Freedom Ministries is blocked. Jesus. So we are in this body in a prophetic decision-making time. I, I, I saw a vision. I'll, I'll probably share it another time. But it, what it was was there was like, there was people making decisions going one way or another and there were dials and knobs and gears and levers that God was waiting to pull one way or the other. And it depended on the decisions that were made in this body right now. We've seen, we can look around, we see that some decisions have already been made. That shifts the capital P purpose of God one way or another because there were people who were called but the call still goes out. Still goes out. And if a tax collector named Levi, who was living in compromise, could respond to the call and drop everything in his life immediately and run after the call of Jesus and become chosen to be an apostle, how much more can I? 
It doesn't matter if I feel ready. It doesn't matter if I don't think I'm good enough or I don't have enough Bible teaching or I don't have enough prayer life or I don't have enough of anything. And I look at Elder Barber and I think I'll never measure up to her. Or I'll look at this one over here and think I'll never sing like them. I'll never play like to Elder Dana. I'll never do the things that I'll never play everything like Robbie does. But if I say yes, I become chosen. If I say yes, the call that went out for Reuben to become the chosen one of God, Levi picked it up because Reuben decided to stay and compromise and sin. And so Levi came along and said, I know God. I know him. I may not know how to be firstborn yet, but I know how to say yes to God. And I say yes to God. And God said, I've consecrated you as my firstborn. I've consecrated you as my chosen one. I've consecrated you as the one who I have given unbridled access into the throne room of God. You think that those people you looked up to had great revelation and great connection with me. But no, I, I called, but they didn't answer. I've called and you answered. And so from you, the Urim and the Thummim will never depart. From you, the connection to the voice of God will never depart from you because you said yes. God in heaven today. In Numbers chapter 3, verse 40, if you don't mind just putting that up. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to say yes. Numbers uh, 340. Just want us to read it. the wrong scripture. I apologize. God called Levi the firstborn. That was the scripture I was looking for. God called Levi to be the firstborn. He consecrated Levi as the firstborn because he said yes. And so some of us, we know, you know, I'm, we're not, I'm not even... You know if you're living in sin, that's God's called you to be a Levi and you're living like a tax collector. But some of us give in to fear every time. To where I've become comfortable in fear. Because I can stay safe there. Right? I can stay safe as long as I live in fear and don't ever stand up and say anything. Don't ever step out of my box and let God use me. I can become comfortable there. Some of us are so comfortable serving at the God of self because that is comfortable. I, I come to church and I get my little blessing. 
I come to church and I fall out and I love the big experience. But I don't keep the marriage covenant. I don't do the dishes, so to speak. I don't vacuum. I don't earn money. I don't participate in the marriage. I really just want a prostitute. I want to come in for the big experience and I want to leave. But he says, I have a, I have a chosen people who will say yes. And so I just want to have everyone stand. You know what this call is to you. You know if it's a call out of, out of sin and a, com- a life of compromise with sin or if it's a life of compromise with fear. Yes, I can look back. Holy Spirit showing us right now. I can look back and see the times when God told me to do something and I didn't to the point where I became so comfortable living in disobedience to God that I served Rome instead of him. I quit saying yes to everything he asked of me. And so I blocked his purpose and plan for my life. As we go into 2018, there is a call of God on this ministry to rebuild. There's a vision that God has put in me to build a new core of of a new generation, of my generation. And to have our ones who have been here for years teach and guide us of how to be. But before we get to that, we have to see I'm not a part of it if I don't say yes. Jesus. If you say I identify with Levi, the tax collector, yes, I have said yes to God in the past. I want to say yes to God, but but right now I am in I am in compromise. I'm in compromise with myself. I'm in compromise with fear. I'm I'm serving at the altar of myself. I'm I'm not doing what God has called me to do. I don't say yes to every one of his calls, and so I am not the chosen one. I want to invite you to come. We're gonna to pray today and we're gonna repent and say yes to God. How many of us We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.